Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to another episode of the Sarah T. Time Podcast. Um, I'm your host, Sarah T. Um, this is episode number 12. Uh, each week we have a guest on from the creative realm, ranging from producers, musicians, comedians, writers, anyone I can think of that I'm curious about and would love to chat with. Uh, we take a half hour uh, to get into their brain or heart, depending on what they feel like sharing with us. Um, past episodes can be found up at sarahteatime.com or through iTunes. Uh, just search for Sarah Tea Time and you can subscribe away. You can find me personally up on Twitter as well under Sarah T. That's S-A-R-A-T-E-A. Simple as that. Uh, this week we have uh, a performer, Catherine Mudon. Why don't we... Just bring her on. She is from the I'm Too Fragile for This web series. Hello. Welcome. Hi. You made it. Yay, awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much. This is so exciting. So, we don't know each other. We but do not, not even a little. Not at all, whatsoever. And so, not even through, like, a, like we have, like, one mutual friend through the Internet. I'm, there could possibly be more. Yeah, Alana, who was yeah. uh, last week's guest. But I didn't know that when I asked you to come on the air. It was only post-friending on Facebook oh, that I found out. okay. Yeah, that we had that, um, it's kind of like... Our LinkedIn connection for performers because yeah. we would never go on LinkedIn, but through <laughs> Facebook, it's like <laughs> semi legitimate. Um, yeah, she, Alana's the best. Alana's like, there's like heroes among peer groups that you hold, and Alana is definitely like a hero in in my peer group in our little in our little community. She's the best. I like being from a distance, kind of looking in, because obviously I'm not in New York. I'm in Chicago right now. And I, at, right as I was writing down some more names that I wanted to ask to be on the show, I was like, God, a lot of these people are in, in New York right now. And then I was like, and I had this whole conversation literally right before I'm going on the air. God, I shouldn't. Maybe i got to get some Chicago people, and I don't want to disrespect. And it was a very guilt-ridden conversation, but... Um, Oh. I'm glad you're joining me. Yeah, so you're in Chicago right now. You're based you're based out there. Yeah, I'm based there now as of the past year. I used to be in Los Angeles. Cool. Oh, very cool. But you know there's all common, over. I yeah. I like to give that impression to impress people. Yeah. Um but through your website, which I want to make sure that I, I tell everyone to go to, it's Catherine. Mudon, that's C-A-T-H-R-Y-N-M-U-D-O-N.com. Mm-hmm. I found out that um, you are from Colorado. I am from Colorado. Um, from, from a town I can I don't know how to pronounce. 
Yes, I'm from a very small town called Fruta. Um, Fruta. Fruta. People always say Fruita. That's what I was going to say. But, yeah. And also my last name is Mudon, like music. Oh. So there's okay. just all kinds of tricky pronunciations all over the place. I want to get it right. I'm Sarah. Don't pronounce the H because I will be okay. really d- disrespected. But i got to tell you, I did a little look on the map, cause, um, and you're right in your Grand Junction. Yeah. Do you know Grand Junction? Yeah. I used to I'm, I'm, I used to live in Denver. I was there for 10 years. Oh, so, my God. I know. I, I think we were probably there at the same time. I, these are new things I keep finding out on the show. I like, probably lived in the same time. I was probably there. I was there till 2008. Uh, I lived there. I I did undergrad there from 2000 to 2004. Yeah, I was there. Oh my God, that's such a I small know. world. That's crazy. It really is. So, I I I, you're in a mountain town. I I just want people to wrap their head around this because my grandmother's from an an island town, and when you and when I think like a mountain town, my all my friends from Grand Junction, I just have a very distinct flavor to them. So I'm curious what it was like growing up in a town like Fruta, pronounced yeah, correctly. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because I've had like a handful of acquaintances who have been, uh, my town borders Grand Junction and the whole area is called the Grand Valley. And I've had a handful of acquaintances who have visited the Grand Valley or have been there and they're like, oh my God, you're just like everybody there. You talk just like everybody. Like I guess there is this like specific flavor to like the denizens of Western Colorado that I embody, but I'm not aware of it outside of of that community. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's interesting that you would say that. Um, yeah, it's I, an absolute I love, pleasure. It's a it's a great trait. I love it. I really, yeah. I mean the, um, yeah. It's just a very like very relaxed, very chill, very friendly like. It's just a wonderful state and a wonderful town to be. Well, I, the second I just said that, I was like, ooh, people are probably thinking of all the, like, psycho, horrible Colorado things that have been in the news lately. Uh, but aside from those tragedies, um, it really is just a really, really great place um, to be from yeah, and to visit. Yeah, it's, it's, that's a very um, amplified vision through the media's eyes of what I think is a very calm, friendly community place. Yeah. <laughs> In my experience with the people who are really from there and want to be there and plan to stay around there, you know. Yeah, it's. I, I really like it a lot. It's just a very, like, interesting part of the country, I think. I'm super biased, but, like, it's very, like, dynamic and there's a lot of, like, political, like, what's, like, what's the word? Like, the state is so 50-50 that it's mm-hmm. just like a hotbed. It's really like a hotbed of contention where you can have, like, these very, very liberal pockets, you know, Denver and Boulder, and then very, very, just like the heart of the religious right, you know, being in Colorado Springs with focus on the family and, then like, huge religious uh, conservative populations on the western slope where I'm from and it's just really interesting. Like the whole area is. Yeah, it's. It, it's I didn't amazing. realize how divided it was until I saw a color mapping of Republicans and Democrats and how yeah. the state was like all red. That would be the Republicans, and then little pockets in Boulder of the blue, yeah. and you know Denver and up in the mountains and Netherlands, a little bit of Vale sometimes. And yeah, I did campaigning. For Carrie, when I was during that chapter of undergrad and high school, or yeah, just undergrad, 
and I think Kerry got like 47. I think it was 47% of the vote. So it's just like you're so close to, yeah, it's just really, really interesting, the different areas. And and today, I think Obama was in my town maybe three weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, there is just a big campaign spot. And crazy. Oh, my point was that when you are from, um, I'm not sure what the, what the political scene is in Chicago. Do you guys have a lot of conservatives? I think it's. I think you're isolated amongst your community and where you live and who you talk to. So in my grouping, right. you know, I, I, it's going to one way. But I think if I right. immediately if I cross over to a certain area, uh, like I find the like the person that I'm dating. If you go to his workplace, it's in, <laughs> which is downtown. You know, it's a very yeah. different, skewed reality. Interesting, because so. that's one but, double-sided thing for being in New York. You know, it's it's there are pros and cons to it. Is I think you take for granted that everyone is sort of philosophically on the same page when it comes to politics and you know social issues and that sort of thing. But absolutely. like to a New Yorker, and like religious, the religious right is a very removed, very like sort of fictional reality for a lot of New Yorkers. But then coming coming from an area like that, it's like no, these are people that like you said, like these are people next door, people we work with. And they just have such such drastically different political ideals, and it's just crazy. It's it's absolutely true. I went to high school yeah. in New Jersey, and uh, at 18, I moved to Colorado, and I thought, um, you know, Christianity was a myth. <laughs> I knew Jew- people were Jewish, and then people who didn't practice, and yeah. then I-, I knew one Republican in my school of like a thousand, and uh, you know. <laughs> Yeah. And then I learned, as you, especially driving through uh, the All United the bumper States. stickers. Yeah. That, I yeah. think, if you really want to get to know America, drive through it. And then there are certain parts, especially depending on your skin color, you drive really fast. Or a single female driving alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Frightening. Oh, well, yeah. I asked I mean, <laughs> no, I go home, and within, like, five minutes, we've been, like, like, because my parents are very, very liberal, and so they have all their Obama bumper stickers, and, like, my mom got, like, cut off on the interstate the other day and, like, flipped off by this guy, like, and she realizes because of the bumper sticker and, like, crazy, like, Jesus billboards everywhere of, like, you know, all, just all the nonsense, all these mega churches. I don't, does New Jersey have, we, out west we call them mega churches. And no, but I, I saw warehouses. you. Yeah. yeah, I saw a few driving. Sorry, the phone is a little delayed. I saw a few driving uh, from here to Michigan uh, this this last week, and yeah. I'm once again reminded of the the, the it's absolutely frightening. The, and their logos oh, are getting terrible. better. Oh, it's so <laughs> great. It's just insane to me that, and I hope it passes. I think it's a very like pop culture temporary thing, but in our you know in our youth, like our coming up, like there is a thing where like. Christianity, the word and the term, has been hijacked by these lunatics. And it's so weird to me. Like, I don't know how they did it. It's like out from under our nose. Like, because I went to my college in Denver uh, was a Jesuit school. And um, K through 8, I also went to a Catholic school. So I was raised Catholic, and but, again, just in a liberal family and just sort of culturally Catholic. Nothing, right, like know, Jesus would like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no bigotry. And then in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they've done it. Like you say, Christ, like Christian has a bad connotation, and it's so wild that that should be the case. 
Oh, man. You know, the reason I ask, because I, I um, for whatever reason, I'm imagining like 15, 16-year-old you in this town, and I'm trying to imagine what it was like for you developing, or were you developing this creative side to you? What what was it like for you? Um, a creative, creative in high school. Like, uh, was there anything? Did it come after? I mean, I'm just curious no, across no. the board. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Definitely in high school. All through high school, I did uh, choir and music theater and regular theater. Um, we didn't have, like, comedy. I think some of the high schools have what they call it comedy sports. Um, we didn't have anything like that, which, which you know, could lead to, like, improv. So I wasn't aware of that side of things. Um, but, yeah, I just did all the, like, nerdy. Uh, I was, like, the nerdy theater kid. Uh, I totally imagined you as that, but I didn't want to conclude. Yeah, yeah. What if I should have, like, created, like, an alternate narrative of, like, I mean, I was, you know, homecoming queen, um, <laughs> did a lot of cheerleading, just very, you know, very live. I was such a dancer. No, none of that is true. Um, so, I, and this is the other uh, question that popped into my head, and I think because I'm a little intuitive here, because for me, you know, I, I I was aware of the theater, and like I when I think of when I was feeling into you and your past, I was like, okay, I could see her doing theater. But what is that point? Because I didn't have comedy sports. I was not aware of that, and I'm guessing we're talking similar eras in the '90s. So, at what point did you realize that improv existed, and this would be something yeah. you'd be drawn towards? Um. I knew I knew through high school and as a kid that I wanted to do performance, um, and I sort of just had a vague. I, I don't know if it's to do with the '90s or, or, or time per se, but I think that the geographics of where I grew up, like the geography of it, no one in a small rural town. If you say, "Oh, I want to be an actor," or "Oh, I want to," you know, anything. I want to be an author or a musician or a, anything on the creative side. You're sort of regarded immediately as like very uh, impractical it's it's not because mm-hmm. they don't have any paradigm for that you know we're very lucky to live in metropolitan cities where like yes people make careers from artistic expression and from like creating things but there's no paradigm for that out you know in a small town it's it's you're talking nonsense and so i was dismissed by my parents and by people when i said that in high school like oh i want to be an actor like so I was told to get a, you know, a traditional undergraduate degree, um, even though I wanted to go to CU Boulder and study music theater, which is, I have no regrets about it all. I'm so glad for my education and my undergraduate training, and I would have been terrible had I pursued music theater. So I don't have any regrets um, in hindsight. But at the time, I was very, very frustrated that, like, I wasn't being supported um, but it's hard. I mean, if I had kids, you know, if I had a child and I'm living in this small town, like, of course I want them to, like, pursue a career where they can support themselves and where they can, you know, so I understand both sides of it. Um, but, yeah, I, was the, the, I'm not even answering the No, question. you the did it. What, okay. You did it. What yeah. did you end up studying? I, I mean, I, I know, but we haven't talked about it, so if you could share what you ended up studying. Uh, I went to Regis and I got a BS in neuropsychology. Um, and that was a really small department. And there would be like, we'd take these neuroscience classes and there were like seven of us. And we would do like brain surgery on rats and work in the lab. Oh and it was all that whole thing. Uh, so that was a combination of neuroscience classes and psychology classes. 
and it was fa- I mean it was so fascinating. I don't I don't regret a minute of it. And also I see these kids in New York who have been doing improv at NYU since they were 19, um, you know, and have just lived in the city for twice as long as I have. And on one hand, you feel jealous of like, oh, they got a head start, or like, oh, I'm catching up to do. But on the other hand, like, I know myself. There's no way at 18 I would have been equipped to to leave my family and move to New York City. There's just no way. Absolutely, yeah. I would have moved home in December. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even Denver was far away. I would do a four-hour drive home like every weekend. What? I just know I wouldn't have been able to to do that. So even in the like, winter. Oh yeah! Oh God! Yeah, oh, the craziest stories. I drove this oh. like this like late eighties uh, K car, a Plymouth K car, <laughs> or like. <laughs> oh. It, oh, it was it really was a reliant automobile. But I would drive like every weekend, like through, and that's a treacherous time for people who aren't aware who aren't familiar with Colorado. Like going four hours west from Denver, you're like crossing the Continental Divide, you're going through like Vail and all like ski towns and I would just truck along <laughs> like come hell or high water to get home oh, oh. God, such a home buddy and was that something, like you went because you needed it it sounded like, like you needed to be home yeah, yeah, but... oh I'm I'm still a terrible, terrible home buddy I fly home way more often than I should <laughs> I love it let me ask you this. Do you think it's like recovery from being out in the real world <laughs> to recover? Think, yeah, recover. Re, I, I like the word rejuvenate. Like Rejuvenate. I, I like that goal. better, too. <laughs> yeah, I can go about three months in the city, and then I have to I have to check out and, like, go recharge and have, yeah. like, clean air and normal people and go, like, a number of days without getting into a fight with a barista or having someone, like, <laughs> scream at me on... Like, there's no contention in the real world, or at least in Colorado. Like, everyone's friendly. Everyone, like, is chill. Like, nothing's a problem. And, like, you'll, my parents will be like, why are you so high-strung? And it's like, because you're partially ready for a fight around any corner in New York, and then it's hard to, like, let that go when you're in the real world. Oh, man, it's so true. I hope you know that, and I hope people listening to this are, like, remembering this, because, I mean, like, de-stressing and the more positive word you use that I already forgot, but like, like unraveling from our, you know, any type of reality. But I think like I, I, I use the word performer because I think any entertainment industry has this uh, like level of interaction and exchange that can be very stressful from working in clubs or working with certain people in environments. And it's very thrilling, but it's also, I think, um, like you need time to recover from the choices you make and the people you're yeah. around. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. Were you did you end up exploring uh like any performance stuff while you were in school or when did that shift? Uh high school was heavily involved. College my college didn't have so much of an acting program. It had a little theater program and I would do that extracurricularly. Um but it really wasn't until uh, where, what year am I? So senior year of college, my aunt sent me a clipping from a newspaper, and it was an audition in Denver to go to the well. They're having regional auditions for the American Academy Academy of Dramatic Arts, and that is uh, an acting school here in Manhattan. There's one in Hollywood and one in Manhattan, and it's a two-year program. Uh, so I went to this audition. It was at like a hotel downtown, and I prepared my monologues or whatever, and I got in. 
Um, and I was so excited. And so I deferred wow. for a year. Uh, what year was this? So this is 2004. So I deferred for a year, moved back home to Fruta, and worked for the Postal Service for like 12-hour days, six days a week, and saved up many, many thousands of dollars doing that, <laughs> not spending like a nickel. I didn't spend a dime. It was crazy how much. I, Looking back, I don't think I could do it. I'd be like, oh, let me buy this thing. Anyway, I didn't spend anything, saved up every cent, and then started at the American Academy in 2006, five. 2005, yeah. That's really just incredible. Uh, well, that's it. Yeah. It was, I don't know. Thank you. I, it's quite a, it's it's a, it sounds good on paper when you say it out loud too. Yeah, it yeah. It sounds really great. Like wow, what a great story. <laughs> oh, that's really nice of you. But then, I mean, any I'm sure in Chicago too, like everybody has like their like journey, you know, like these like incredible journeys that have brought them to whatever city is, you know, whatever city they end up in. True, but like my perception is kind of like when you look at somebody who's been doing like you see the 19-year-old been doing it since they were 19. You're like, oh, it must be so easy for them. They've been doing, you know, and it's like, wait, no, that's not true. Everyone does right, have their right. own story, Sarah. Yeah. It's not easy. Your path is okay. It's going to yeah. be all right. The choices you made are your own. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is going to be all right. That's a hard lesson to learn, I think. Oh, it's gonna be God, all right. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It never seems so, so in the moment, but. Yeah. So uh, around, um, I obviously I don't know the exact time, but I, I look back on the YouTube videos and the I'm Too Fragile for This web series yeah. that I highly suggest everyone check out. we say it again. I'm Too Fragile for This web series. Just Google it and start watching. I don't know how many episodes you guys are up to now, but what was the impetus behind that starting? Um, That was our first day of filming was in October. Um, so we're closing in on about a year, about a year anniversary, and we have 13 episodes that are out. Um, and the impetus for that web series was about a year ago, about a year ago at this time, um, here at the Upright Citizens Brigade, traditionally, uh, that's the community that I'm involved with, and, and Alana has also um, done some, done, does, she and Abby do stuff through there. Um, so it's an improv theater and sketch theater. And it's a really wonderful supportive, colorful, dynamic community for comedy, um, but it can also be somewhat destructive because it's a highly, <laughs> highly competitive community of people who are auditioning traditionally once a year. Uh, usually auditions for sketch and improv programs come once a year. Um, and so if that audition doesn't go well, it's very, very psychologically destructive <laughs> because you have sure. to wait another year to get another another swing at it. Um so I started at UCB taking classes in 2007. Um, my 101 improv teacher was Bobby Moynihan, who has now moved on to uh, SNL. Um, and so you're studying with all these sort of like up-and-coming, just brilliant, brilliant minds, and it's really just a lot of fun. Um, but about so last year, would have, last summer, I had just finished, I think, my fourth year auditioning, 08, 9, 10, 11, yeah, 2011, my fourth year of auditioning for the improv program, uh, and I didn't so much as even receive a callback. Um, so I was for feeling like I had been spinning my wheels, just, you know, fighting tooth and nail to, like, make rent in this, like, 
filthy, miserable city. <laughs> I mean, had wonderful friends. Like, I love my friends, working with, like, amazing people, but still just feeling like I didn't have anything to show for it, feeling like I was being overlooked, just feeling like I was, like, waiting for the approval of some outside entity and for, you know, just waiting for something to fall into my lap. And I was just so frustrated. And in, like, moments of frustration, I would... <laughs> Probably every six months, I would start researching graduate programs in Denver and be like, I'm moving back. I'm just going to start a normal life with nice, normal people. Um, And so I would, anyway, long story long, I was feeling very, very frustrated. And so I just wanted to create something that showcased what I thought was funny, that showcased, you know, what I thought I did well, um, just something to show for my time, just something to, like, send to anybody. Like, sometimes industry people will be like, oh, send me a link of you doing, you know, your thing. And so I just wanted to have that. And um, the people that I work with at my day job, uh, it's a photography studio, and they were like, use our studio, use our lighting, use our cameras. Um, and so I pitched the idea to my good, good friend, Connor Ratliff, who is um, just a extremely gifted improviser. He's on a weekend team called the Stepfathers, uh, which also used to be Bobby Moynihan's team, um, Chris Gethard, Will Hines, Zach Woods, all these guys are on this amazing improv team. Uh, they're some of the best in the city. And he was a friend from UCB. And then we also uh, involved our friend Tom Levin. And he does all the camera work and all the editing and makes them, basically we'll bring a premise to the table and then we will improvise on the premise for a few takes. And then Tom Levin has the huge chore of editing all all this improvised footage and trying to make it into, like, a coherent uh, narrative. And so that's... Well, I think it definitely comes across that, you know, I I love the... I love the sentiment, and I love the dynamic, and I loved your spirit, and that's why I felt like I had to to write you um and i love your impetus for starting it because god i just want everyone to hear that loud and clear and me in the future when i am feeling stuck it's like uh waiting for that outside source to give you approval and it's yeah. it's it that is the i don't know i mean in my experience that is the absolute worst reason and i continually have to remind myself that i have to do it myself and uh not wait so yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but and we're you... all at different. Sorry. No, go no ahead. I was just gonna say that we're all at different points. I don't think of it as like better or worse or more successful or less successful. I just feel like we're all sort of at different points in the journey. And like, let's say you're on some NBC sitcom. And, I mean, you're still the essence of those challenges are still going to be the same as what you and I are feeling today or what, you know, what some huge established actor is feeling. Like, it's still the same challenge of, like, you know, am I doing the right work? Am I working with the right people? Am I, you know, that sort of, like, anxiety I don't think really ever goes away, no matter what level you get to. Well, I think because, like, you have to continually grow. I mean, I think there's this old, like, uh, concept that I think is still trying to be broken, and I hope it still keeps breaking where there's this, you're at the top and you're sitting on your bags of gold and then you can boss everyone around. And I'm not saying that was our goals, but I'm just saying there's a sense of like where people think once they get a certain thing in their life and then they can relax and then they can show everybody. Yeah. It's like, no, honey, you got to keep growing. you got to keep working. That's yeah, like, yeah. You know? It's true. We all, I do it. 
this this notion that like oh when I make it you know X Y Z is going to fall into place and it's like well you like you've made it right now like there you know if if five years ago you saw where you were and like the things you've done like you'd be like oh I'm, that person made it like that version of myself has made it like they're so we're so destructive we're so hard on ourselves but I don't think that we are like generous enough and like saying like oh like I'm like being peaceful in the moment and being like proud of like present achievements and I think is useful. It's it's true. It's absolutely true. And I know you're probably not going to believe this, but we're we're almost at a half hour, so we we do oh have to God. say goodbye. I know. Oh, no. oh, <laughs> I know. So thank you um, so much for everything. I know. I think it's a perfect way to end. And um, um. You know, uh, we announced her website at the beginning, and I want to make sure I don't say your name wrong again. But you can find her um, online on Twitter. On, it's Mudon? Mudon. Mew. Mudon. Mew. It's the beginning. Mudon. Okay. Mudon. Liquid you. Liquid Mudon. It's Mudon and .com. Um Thank you so much for joining me. And, thank you, um, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah, okay. Um, well, hopefully I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Take care. Take care. Bye. Cool. All right, everyone, uh, thanks again to Catherine for joining us. Um, you can find us every week here, Wednesdays, uh, sarahteatime.com. Uh, uh, we're taking next week off, but after that, uh, comedian Cameron Esposito will be joining us, who is en route to Los Angeles from Chicago, as well as uh, Liquid Television the week after that. That's right, uh, the people behind the regenerated Liquid Television will be joining us on the 19th. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us, and I will see you very soon. The weekly podcast, every Wednesday, Sarah Teton.